Welcome to Insightful Essence, the podcast that uses self-awareness from a neurological perspective. By learning the biological components of our mood, relationship problems, emotion management, and other things, we remove judgment and replace it with empowerment. I am your host, Rosalind Perez, mental health counselor and life coach. Let's get ready to rise above survival. Welcome everyone to Insightful episode, Insightful Essence podcast. And I am excited for this episode. I have a special guest and she is a matchmaking love coach, helping unapologetic, successful, high achieving women to attract and create the relationship of their dreams. With expertise in dating and relationships, our guest seamlessly binds her healing modality with her signature dating strategy, helping women to unlock their true feminine powers and gifts to attract a deeper, intimate connection. Through her transformative work, she has guided her clients to attract shameless love with a true masculine leader and integrity and with, with integrity and intention. Please help me welcome Leah Mitchell. Thank you so much. How Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you here today and talk about love, 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 love. So necessary. Yes. So yes. tell me a little bit more about like what got you into this line of work. This is so necessary, Leah. So I am so excited. Yeah, of course. Um, I have a bit of a long story, but I've told it quite a few times. And so it's like there's always been like missing pieces and I bring different things back in, but um, it really started in those first relationships um, for me as a young woman. They were very wishy-washy and I really dove into like why I accepted these um, relationships where I really had to chase and I had to beg for attention. I had to beg for acknowledgement and it was something that later on I was very ashamed of but when I think about you know why I think we get so conditioned to accepting rejection from a very very young age you know your mom has to say no to you just to keep you safe but these are small forms of rejection and then you're rejected by your teachers you're rejected by your peers I remember the first time I was rejected was I was brave enough to ask a boy to grade eight prom and he decided to take my best friend instead. And that I remember like being 13 and being like, this is the most devastating moment of my life. Like, right. And so of course I was a child, but this, these kinds of things, they influence us to accept and chase and um, feel like we have to be a type of way in order to, you know, be chosen and um, have that commitment. So I was in these very wishy-washy relationships, um, one specifically very toxic one. And I really stayed in that relationship for a long time because I felt terrible that this person had lost one of their parents earlier on, like right before we started dating. And so I think I excused most behaviors most toxic behaviors and like low value behaviors for that purpose. And so it kept me involved for so long on and off, like just so much bad stuff happened. And then 
um, I started precariously dating because I wanted immediate gratification and validation. I completely shut down my feminine because of that painful experience going through that. I became so guarded and so detached in the sense of not the positive way you can be detached where you're like who you are and it's take it or leave it. It was more like nothing can like hurt me armor. Yeah, exactly. So what had happened was I was like running into the players, the hookups, and it was just all that's all I could attract because I was not available for commitment. I wasn't available for anything emotional. Um, And so that's what I kept attracting. And when you precariously date like that, you really attract very precarious situations. And so I went through a sexual assault in my dating experience. And that really pushed me into my rock bottom, which now was one of the biggest blessings of my life. But I was battling bulimia at the time. And I had no body image issues that I can remember at all. It was more just like the only control I could find over my body and my oxytocin releases. And so there were all these different things like I was getting, I was almost failing classes. um, And I decided without a job or any money, I'm going to invest in an energy healer after I went to a natural path. And I said, I can't do natural path right now, like the the medicine and whatever the diet and all that kind of stuff, because I'm not mentally like well enough to get through this. And she recommended an energy healer to me. And within one session, I never had a bulimia episode again. Wow. Um, right. Like crazy. Oh. And then I, I was having like regular panic attacks daily within the first few weeks of working with her. No panic attacks ever again, like really transformed my life. And it's crazy. I started working with her May of 2018 and I met my husband in June of 2018. So oh. that energetic release, energy pheromones, yeah. right? it was in, it was insane. So that's kind of my story of how I, you know, found my husband and that's my real dating story. How I got into this is when I left university, I graduated, I wanted to maybe go into psychotherapy. I got rejected from the school that I applied to. Another rejection. (laughs) Yes. And I really half-assed applied. Like I wasn't very committed to going. I didn't want to move back to Toronto. So that happened. And I contacted my coach that I had still been with over those years, just sporadically, that energetic healer. And I said, you know, I don't know what to do now. Like, I feel like I'm starting over. And she said, well, why don't you do what you do all the time? Why don't you learn this methodology, this modality, and then become a coach? And that's how it started. I started coaching people on confidence. All of the people I was coaching were getting into these incredibly beautiful relationships. And I was like, okay. Mission kicked in. I need to follow something here. The universe is telling me that's something. My own recipe. <laughs> and that's just it worked out. It's worked out so well. Wow, this is just an amazing story. And let me ask you something. Were you in whenever you were going through all of this bulimia and all of this physiological symptoms, did you had an awareness of what was causing this? Ooh, that's a good question. So no. I bulimia I didn't even know I had bulimia until I recovered from bulimia I didn't know I had bulimia I actually thought 
that so what was happening to explain like body wise and PTSD wise because it was complex PTSD I had been in a significant severe car accident at 17 and then the sexual assault and little things in between I had my um this people don't understand how traumatic this is unless you have horses but I had lost my horse um going into my second year of university that was the most devastating day of my life and she was my horse throughout high school and my car accident and all those very crazy important times so that was devastating like worse than the car accident worse than the sexual assault by far in terms of how brutally it affected me so um I was really like one of those overachievers in terms of my response to trauma was go to the gym twice a day like in high school I was in the gym before high school started so like 6 a.m and I went right after and I walked there from school to the gym so twice a day I was also like super involved in all these other things I was never missing a party like that's all that matters is your social life I had like three four jobs in high school like what was I doing right and so and this just kept going and then during my first year of university and my second year I had jobs I was always working I couldn't just focus on my studies like I had to be so productive and it was because I was running on like this if I can be super productive I am worthy and it was yes yes (laughs) and so the bulimia to get back to that it's actually very interesting so my serotonin dopamine and oxytocin was so low I wasn't sleeping like I was just very panicky I was having severe pain in my uterus I had been to the doctor several different times and nobody could figure anything out they didn't even ask me about my mental health which is insane oh yeah but, that's, a, that's another podcast that we can just definitely make out sounds <laughs> and then they not ask like what's going on so and I was always told it was just period pain like get over it crazy stuff so that was also traumatic in itself right going through something like that so I the the neurotransmitters were not activated all those hormones were so low and I would eat something okay so I'd eat something that had a high sugar content high carbohydrate content because that's all I craved because those were so low so I would binge like I would feed myself so much at a time because then I'd go like a day or two without eating anything and so I'd eat like crazy and then this insane nausea came over me like in uncontrollable and it was one of those you're not going to be able to do anything else until you get rid of this because it's so like nauseating like just indescribably like you have the flu like just it's coming it's not up to you and so I would go I would get sick the relief you get an instant spike in your oxytocin the second you get sick and so that was my body's only way of getting fed oxytocin um, because my cortisol level levels of stress were through the roof all the time yeah it's, it's just I hear your story and, and and the reason I ask about whether if you were aware of that the bulimia having a, a, a root or foundation on, on the mental health and everything they were going because even I as a counselor I was throwing up I, ha- I was having panic attacks I was great with my clients however that didn't mean that I was in in tune with what's going what was going on internally at a subconscious level 
driving the behavior of overachieve and overdo it. And it was that armor because myself, I also have been molested. So I was just like, I needed to be strong. I needed just to make sure that I, that I did not need it anyone, just only mm-hmm. others needed me. And yeah. even having information to a certain extent about human behavior, I did not thought that that, would, could, that could be me. But of yeah. course, I'm human. Yeah, it was crazy. I didn't even know that you could have like an eating disorder if it wasn't about your body image. Like in sex education in high school they show you videos of these two twins that are like bulimia twins and it's like a really weird video of this documentary on eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia and it's all about how the girls look and that's why they have this issue when the leading cause of eating disorders has nothing to do with body image it has everything to do with control you know like a lot of women that go through sexual assault at a young age will binge eat and gain weight. And it's a subconscious reaction to make themselves less attractive to their abuser. Mm-hmm. And like, these are things that happen all the time. And nobody tells you that it has nothing to do with your body image and that you can develop these um, eating disorders totally just as a response mm-hmm. to trauma that you went through. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen it in so many different ways and it, it control whenever, because I, as you said, if things are happening that are outside of your control, your mm-hmm. body wants to find a balance by identifying then what can you control? Of course, exactly. you can control what you eat, what you don't eat. So it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. So how was this impacting your relationships? And how I know that you talked about the, the energy work. I just wanted to, to 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 hear a little bit more about what was the process and what was the transformation that happened yeah. through this process. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, because I did really give a bare bones. So no, you're good. Really, I was like I was I could get any man that I wanted. I was very aware of that in terms of like I was good looking. I had like about 40 more pounds on my body. I was into like weightlifting. So at the gym, they all just flocked to me. I had a huge butt, like big boobs, everything that they could If all they wanted to I was the perfect like body type. And so, and I worked out so they could do like a, oh, I'll just like slide in at the gym and then she'll just sleep with me and I don't have to put any effort into like taking her out. And I would get like dinner dates constantly, but I wanted to be the woman who didn't get attached. So I very willingly would have sex. Like who cares? I'm not going to get attached. They're going to get attached. And if a man did get attached, I would be like, ooh, and peace out on them because I thought that was like cool and I thought that that was like a way to show that like I'm emotionally like superior it was very strange like and it was like trauma sometimes makes you a little bit obsessed with yourself like it sounds narcissistic now when I say it but it was just a way of me like finding extreme control even in my emotions and what I was willing to give to people and there was always something for me to prove because that ex-boyfriend hurt my feelings so so bad and I felt like I never I would take him back he would take me back all these different things but it was not like I wished I could have never had that relationship so that it didn't get the best of me Mm -hmm. and so 
I was having the panic panic attacks. I was having the insomnia and the um, bulimia. And when I did go to the naturopath, she put me on like this yeast diet to like kind of get all the yeast out of your body. It was like a detox. And it gave me like these really awful acne. I got a tooth infection, an ear infection. This is really normal when your body's pulling out toxins, you'll get infections. I think I got a bladder infection, like everything. And so I'm like feeling like shit physically now. I feel like I look like shit. And that was my breaking point. Okay, the only thing I had control over was my looks. And that moment, and that went away. And boom, like rock bottom really hard. And so she when I went to her, and I said, you know, like, I'm getting suicidal. I can't do this anymore. I'm thinking about it all the time, because I just can't do this. And she said, well, I know this woman. So this woman you should call. And I did. And I did the first session in my car. And it's the modality that I now use because I learned it from her and I use it every single day. And really what we're doing is we are releasing outside energy that is maintained in your subconscious. So rules, beliefs, judgments, opinions, points of view of other people that have made you feel a type of way about yourself and about the things around you. So for example, like when a man made me feel like I was, you know, easy to take advantage of, and I was stupid because I found myself in a sexual assault. I had this subconscious reprogramming that I need to prove that I'm not stupid and that I can, I can be in control in sexual situations. Like just the subconscious attaches crazy things to try to keep you alive. And it also gave me the belief that because I'm a woman and I was studying philosophy at the time, feminist epistemology. So I really understood like rape culture and I was reading literature consistently on feminism And so I thought, and statistically, I could prove it at the time, that I was unsafe in the world because I was a woman. And that belief was going to stop me from finding my husband for the rest of my life if I wasn't able to rewire that belief and make myself feel like I was safe. And so that subconscious reprogramming, I was able to release that. I was able to realize that that belief isn't mine. I'm safe when I'm around my father. I'm safe when I'm around my um, my sister's husband. I'm safe when I'm around lots of different men in my life. And now I'm safe when I'm around my husband. Mm-hmm. And I could create safety. It wasn't that it wasn't accessible to me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to release that subconscious belief and then find that safety in my life. And that's truly the shifts that I needed to make in order to attract such a wonderful man that wanted to like commit to me and all these, those beautiful things. But I couldn't have done it if I didn't reprogram the subconscious in that way. And even more to put yourself in the position of receiving that even more because that armor and and I relate so much with what you're saying. And in psychological words, everything that you said, other person, like a therapist, if you hear hears that, what you're doing is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's yeah. just identifying the behavior, the thought process, and restructuring and changing them into something that it's more rational, that it's more useful to you, that it, it will help you advance and, and heal. Yeah. And and 
Leah, I, I, I hear you. And I'm like, wow, I just cannot help to think that because of my process, I have been married with my husband for 21 years. And we were always like the couple that people look up to. But there was a point that our marriage was almost, almost divorced. But it's because of my armor. Because I was just the strong, independent woman. And yeah, if you, if you, he always said to me, a, a lot of times I remember him saying, if we get separated, you will go on with your life like nothing. And I would never understand that. However, that's what, that's how he was portraying me. And the other, not, not so long ago, after my transformation, after me embracing my feminine, and I want to hear about you, but the, the feminine and masculine energy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's your area of expertise. But if it, it, it was not until I embraced that feminine energy, that one day, because when I used to, I struggled, I'm a human, but I would go by myself and cry. No one can see me crying because this is Rosalind, the counselor, the, the behavioral specialist. So no. And one day when I allow myself, I'm like, you know what? Now is it when I need to go to my husband and let him know that, I am, I, I am vulnerable. I'm struggling. I feel uh, uh, not needed. And I want him to, to nourish me and to nurture me. Do you know what he said? He said, like, I had no idea that you would feel this way. And after so many years, he never knew who I truly was. Mm -hmm. Because I was always portraying, always functioning in this masculine side. So this is something that I, I, I am kind of like exchanging your uh, your concepts, which are so powerful and just kind of like making this mixture with with psychology. Um, and we may have so many other different terms, but there's there's something so interesting that you do in your work when when it comes to masculine and feminine energy and mm -hmm. even more in women. Like, can you talk about that a little bit more? I love that. Yeah, I just want to build up a little bit of what you said, because I think it's so powerful. And I think this like perfectionism is exactly what is absolutely destroying the emotional connection in women's relationships and their dating experience. Like the most common thing I hear is men are emotionally unavailable. And Preach. I hear this from women who are overproductive, perfectionists. And what happens is, you know, how you said, you know, your husband didn't know really even who you were. Well, it's interesting because the basis, and this is like my three-step process to emotional connection. The basis for emotional connection is authentic, or sorry, the basis for trust, because you need trust. So we'll start emotional connection when then we get trust. Okay. When we have, we need trust to get emotional connection. And in order to get trust, we need authenticity because specifically what happens in the brain when somebody is in the room with someone who is pretending to be perfect all the time, who is masking their problems with productivity, his brain within 13 milliseconds can see with his mirror neurons that you are inauthentic, that registers untrustworthy, and then he will never emotionally connect because you don't have problems. So how does he feel comfortable sharing his problems? How does he trust that you will receive his problems correctly? Right. Yeah, and so, right. Yeah. And when you judge yourself so easily, right. So what really needs to happen is 
we have to like, number one, we have to show up authentically who we are without looking for reciprocation on our vulnerability at all. So we need to be vulnerable. We need to speak our truth without needing the same verbal validation back and not for approval. And then we build trust because his mirror neurons are going to be, okay, authentic. I'm safe to be authentic. And that's just as simple as it works. Like it's so, there's so much neuroscience behind this but it's so simple when you break it down he's going to mirror who's in front of him if you are meeting men who are emotionally unavailable or your marriage has become silent maybe it's because you're being silent you know what I mean about those deeper things and so then we get the trust and then that emotional connection comes and that's one of the like most beautiful things is as a woman, you get to give a man the gift of using his words to express himself vulnerably. He has never done that before. Like, right. We talked about this, I think in our, in our last like meeting, 97% of suicides are men. Men would rather die than talk. So we as creators in our bodies, like we have a uterus, we literally get to create life. We also are so incredibly gifted at speaking on a vulnerable level. Like look at what we're doing right now, right? We both talked about our sexual assaults in this podcast so, so vulnerably and so fluidly. And that's a, such a gift that we get to give to men. It's not your, you don't, you're not a, like the one who's responsible for all the emotional connection, but you do get to create the space for it as a woman. And I think that's such a gift. And once I really shed the light on that, women are like, whoa, like I'm not showing up authentically on dates at all. I'm like performing my ass off and I'm nervous and I'm this and that. And it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> that's exactly why. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Do you imagine it? It's, it's, it makes so much sense is, if I am at this level, then if, and if the person that sees you, that is spending your life with you, does not feel at that same level, guess what? It, they subconsciously will be putting themselves down and not feel that connection. And who knows if even like drives them away and, and it just like can lead to so many different things. So this, exactly. yeah, and, and you hit it with the mirror neurons. I work so much with mirror neurons and the, neuro, the neurology of self-awareness and, and getting in touch with that authenticity. But mirror neurons in relationships are just like everything. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's something biologically that we're given to us to make sure that we make it as a species because we're social. <laughs> Yes, so yes. If, if, if we understand what mirror neurons are, and I'm just going to elaborate for the for the benefit of, of, of those listeners that may not be in touch with what mirror neurons are, these are the neurons that are responsible that if Leah and I are looking at each other and, we, and I smile, she may feel prone to respond with a smile. Or if I'm here with a frown and, oh, yeah, Leah, tell me about your work. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So she's going to be going, hold on. You're not interested. Then guess what? I'm going to shut down. I'm not even going to talk about it. And, and that is something biologically happening that impacts our social life relationships. So you just hit it on the nail. Mirror neurons are just so important. And I love that you incorporate that in your work because they make a difference. They can make a difference. Yeah. And <laughs> even go from there to the feminine. Honestly, how I teach feminine energy, which is totally different 
than anyone that I know teaching it is through brain science. So thinking about those mirror neurons, how can you show up on a date or with your husband in a way that makes him comfortable to be vulnerable and share? And this is really going to show your authenticity and you're going to, he's going to just naturally mirror you. If you are having a good time, he's naturally going to start having a good time. So basically what I say, and I mean, feminine energy goes deep and it's so much bigger than this, but I'd like to give practical, um, here's how to implement it. And then you start to embody it naturally and you don't really need to know all the stuff about it if you just start putting it into action. So the real way to, I, I truly believe that feminine energy is our way of showing up authentically and developing that trust. And it's interesting, these mirror neurons, because 93% of the way your brain registers and um, yeah, registers trust and someone being trustworthy, 93% is non-verbally. Yep. Women <laughs> go yes, on dates, yes, yes. right? Women go on dates and they share things about themselves and they look for him to say the same thing back. Again, reminder, men don't talk. So to ask a man to talk on that first date, it's likely not going to happen or he's telling you whatever he you want to hear and he's low value and it's not the right person. But so instead that 7% that you can do with words, reserve that for later in your relationship and really foster the trust through the nonverbal pieces. And this is what stepping into your feminine truly looks like. So this would be like me leaning back and slowing my pace down like a lot and slowing my pace down with how quick I drink water, slowing my pace down with how fast I'm eating, taking breaks during my eating, holding eye contact. A lot of women don't like awkward silences on dates. So what they do is they fill it with questions and they leave the date feeling like he knows nothing about me and I know everything about him, but it's because you were nervous. And so you were like firing off questions. And really we need to like detach from the outcome of what's going to come from this date. Who cares if he's your future husband? Who cares if he's an honest, good person? Go out, have fun, see have how fun. you feel right? That's the whole point of dating. You will meet your husband by doing this, but you won't if you keep going and you're like focused on like, oh, is he the one for me? Like that's never going to work out. It's like dropping all of the expectations that you have of a, it's like a, having a full definition of a husband and then just like meeting this person and dumping all of it. Yeah, <laughs> this poor guy who doesn't even know if he likes you yet. <laughs> Right? Like he doesn't even know if he likes her and she's already thinking like, well, just so you know, my, my, I want five kids. He's like, I don't even know if I like you yet. Why are you telling me this? Like, let's see if we like each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So detach from the outcome, the possibilities, the fantasies, all those things. Be in the moment, lean back, slow your pace down. Use those moments of silence to look at him dead in the face and give him a big smile because immediately after that, if he doesn't say it out loud, all he's thinking is, wow, she has beautiful eyes or wow, she has a beautiful smile. And that is all he's thinking. That's as simple as it is. He already finds you attractive because you're sitting down across from each other on a date. So get over the fact of, does he like me or not? It's not important. He does. Like, come on. Like he, he finds you attractive. Just be attractive. You know, eye contact, smile, slow it down. I love the close proximity piece of like, 
when he goes to tell you something about himself um, that seems like a little bit more than just a short answer, kind of lean in and show that you're attentively listening. But that close proximity is just absolutely wonderful for connection and trust. And the other thing, and this one is totally fine if you're a woman who is not comfortable with touch on the first date. That's absolutely fine. I personally love, like, that's my love language is touch. Mm -hmm. So I would, like, grab the hand when he's saying something nice. Or I would, like, grab his hand across the table and say, thank you so much for, like, planning this. It, I'm so happy to be here. And I give something that's, like, so, that's vulnerable. Telling mm -hmm. him that you're happy to be here that's not being the cool girl. That's not being the girl who doesn't get attached, right? That's actually being vulnerable and being like, I really appreciate that you set this up. And now he feels like, oh, she can receive love. She can receive gifts. And I'm a gift. <laughs> right? And you're in your feminine energy. If you're able to appreciate a gift, if you're able to say thank you for a gift and truly mean it while you're leaning back, keeping that eye contact, smiling your face off because when you smile he's falling in love yeah. and like this is truly you're showing him what it would be like to like own a home with you you're relaxed you're chill you're easygoing and you're nice to be around you're someone he can talk to like that's really where that chemistry oh, I love this. this is so powerful Leah it's so powerful I've done work with couples because of my clinical work and it's, I hope that the listeners are listening to you and really breathe in this information, reflecting. I have had couples and I have that female say to me, um, I, I, I want for him to want to be with me and to, and to not wanting to not spend time away and just kind of to spend time with me. And I have challenged him. Okay, so let's just go ahead and tell each other what do we like about ourselves. And then when I, I have seen the men say, nice things and you see I don't believe you this is what the the female response then that's that's did you imagine how that must feel like for 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 a man to say hey you have nice eyes and then just like to shut him out any person that gives a compliment what they really they could they could reserve that compliment but when when they do that it's an attempt to connect and if someone says, oh, I like your eyes, you're like, oh, well, they're just like regular, like you, you should see my sister's eyes or then you're saying like, no, I, I'm not receiving this. I'm shutting you out. So guess what? The person will say, okay, then I'm not going to say any compliments. Of course. Yeah. Then would you feel that I would want for him to be with me? You're not receiving. You're not in that position to receive and to let yourself to be loved. So this is what I was interpreting. I'm like, well, yeah, so powerful. Yeah. Compliments are a great one to like talk about because I do find like I give women compliments the second I get on a session and I do this <laughs> as like a little trick and I want to see how she replies to my compliments so I will say something and I do mean it like it's very easy for me if I don't notice something right in the beginning I wait and sometimes I it's like I absolutely love how self-aware you are. You are such a smart woman. And I truly mean it because she just told me things about herself that were so self-aware. Or I just love her top or her hair. Yeah. And I give her a true compliment and she receives it so, so well. Or she really like dissociates, looks the other way, looks down, doesn't like look at the camera, stops really talking to me, stops sharing. And okay, so here's something we need to work on. 
because you're rejecting my love for you, just as the relationship that we have, you're rejecting. And it's always comes back to that, you know, they truly don't believe it themselves. And so that's where that suspicion comes in of like, you're trying to trick me, or you're trying to, you know, get me into accepting that so that you can hold it over my head later. I find a lot of women that have been in relationships that were toxic, where that kind of stuff did happen, they really do struggle to receive from men at this point, because they're so worried about it being held over their heads later. Yeah. So we've done like, I think you've done a wonderful job talking about that feminine energy. Thank you. What is then on the opposite side? What is not necessarily that the masculine energy is something negative, but specifically with the clients that I work with is whatever you overdo something too much, then guess what? You're you're going to have an imbalance. So what do you, what have you noticed or seen in women that are always on their masculine? What does that even mean? Let's just go ahead and start there. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I like to tell women because I think this discourse around feminine and masculine, one being better than the other is really like, it's bullshit. Honestly, you need both. And I can tell you for sure, your masculine energy has saved your life a billion fucking times. It has saved your life because it's the thing that tells you to get the fuck up and run if you need to. It's the thing that tells you to, you know, just freeze. It's the thing that intuitively notices, okay, something's off here. Like action. Right. And I need to do something. I need to get myself out of here. So I don't like to even talk about shutting down masculine energy. I think it's so valuable. I mean, I use it to run my whole business. So it's like, this is, you know, something that we don't want to detach from, but actually just like be proud of that masculine part of yourself and then allow yourself to take the night off and sit in your feminine. And that's really like doing practices that are in your feminine. But when we draw the masculine, so here's a really good way to explain it. And especially for your listeners. So the beta brain is your logic. It figures everything out for you. It ta- It's like all about ration, like what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, mathematics, statistics. That's what your beta brain cares about. It's logical. That's your masculine energy. Your alpha brainwave is this neutral brainwave, okay? And this is where you can really access that subconscious reprogramming. It's also where you can access your love. Because when we love somebody, it's not logical. We would die for our children. We would die for people that we love and jump in front of a bus. This is not logical. It doesn't make sense. It's not survival smart. That's your feminine energy. That's your alpha. And that is like uh, being able to come into love so beautifully is through there. So when I find that women are in their masculine energy in terms of dating and relationships, it's all about logic. It's all about, they ask me like 5,000 questions about, but what if this, what if this, what if this? And they're just trying to like, and sometimes they argue they, sometimes they argue with me being like, well, this is my experience. So that can't be true. And it's, and it's just, they're trying to make sense of their experience and prove it to themselves and be like, well, it can't possibly be me. 
And it's really coming from like this logical standpoint. And I really need them to drop the logic, drop the mathematics, drop trying to figure out what happened, except that it fucking hurts you, except that it sucks, except that you don't like being single anymore. And that's why you're sitting on a call with me. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And when they do accept that, it's like, oh, shift into the feminine. I'm vulnerable now and I'm able to share and I'm able to be my authentic self and show who I am from my heart. And you're still your authentic self when you're masculine, you're like running your businesses and doing all these wonderful things. Um, But there's like this disempowered area that we can hit in on both sides. And that really happens when we are in the opposing energy in the wrong spot. So feminine is really about love and receiving. Your masculine is really about getting shit done and doing. And you need both equally as much, but they have to be able to coexist and balance because that's when we get frustrated, right? That's when things aren't working out in our life is when we're in the wrong one. You know, like we can't lean back in our business and be like, well, I'll just slow it down today and you know, I don't really feel like posting. So I'm not going to post anything. And no one's going to ever know about my business, because I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just going to receive money from the clients I don't have, right? It doesn't make any sense. We have to do the doing and even in dating, like, women have to do the doing part, as well of like, downloading the dating apps, getting your butt on that date, making sure you have clothes that you love so that you feel confident. out there. Absolutely. Right. So that's still masculine. So it's not even like we're shutting one down, but it's just being able to use them both in an empowered way versus a disempowered way. Absolutely. And I want to just do, of course, my, my, my part, one of my brands is just that, that self-awareness and it's how can how can you be you benefit like the clients benefit from understanding where's the source of this action coming from is is coming from my masculine is just having the awareness of is it coming from my feminine and is it coming from my masculine because I'm protecting myself or is it coming from my feminine because I just don't want to overdo it or I may be scared because I'm not all the time the sources of the things that that pushes us into do behaviors or not do something it's always connected to our authentic self yeah yeah this is this is so awesome so how can clients connect with you how can they reach you where can they just learn a little more about your work um okay yeah so the best way to find me is on facebook I do have a podcast coming out in the new year, but we will see when that actually launches. Um, But the best way to find me is on Facebook. I am taking on Instagram very soon, um, but I will leave my links. I have a website where you can book a free call with me where really I need you to pop on this call and tell me exactly what you need fixed in your love life. And we find you a solution right there and then on a quick call. So that's the best way to connect with me. Um, I do regular master classes. There are free ways to get in touch with me to see how the vibe is to really feel into it. But the best thing you can do is booking a call with me right from the beginning so that we can get to know each other and I can steer you in the right direction with what you need to do next. Awesome. How can someone know that you, they, they need to work with you? Like how can someone that's listening, they can say, wait, hold on. 
uh, I need her services? How can they know that? What's going on in their lives for them to kind of have that awareness? Yeah, so I would say I love the, and you'll you'll remember this one, um, pain pushes while desire pulls. And this is like a classic Cynthia Stant um, tagline. But it's beautiful because really, like, if you feel lonely, if you feel drawn to, you know, getting your love life back and on track, and even though things have happened that have really shut you down there, you know that that's still something you want. I really need you to consider when do you want this by? Like, when do you want this by? Because the women that I work with are specifically women who want it right now. If this is something you want to leave up to faith, I'm probably not your woman. I am the kind of woman that gets shit done, clearly. <laughs> and so if you're coming into my world, I'm going to get you your soulmate. So it needs to be a priority right now. And it needs to be something that's so, so meaningful to you. And you really see the value in that support, that being there, that deeper connection, that emotional connection. I don't work with women that are willing to settle. Um, I specifically work with women that know what they want and they'd rather stay single than not than be in a toxic relationship, but they don't want to be single anymore. They are ready for him to walk through the door yesterday. Those are the kind of women that I work with. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the work you do. And I will have, for all of our listeners, I will have her information, her links, and everywhere you can find this wonderful woman to help you if you feel that her services can be beneficial for you. I thank you so much from, for being here and sharing your gift with the world. And I would love to continue collaborating, that's for sure. I guess we'll, we'll definitely keep in, in touch. Yes, yes, this was wonderful. I had a blast. This was yes. great. Such a good conversation. Well, yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And uh, I guess I'll see you the next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please don't forget to hit subscribe, share it with others, post it about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.